What the hell is the name of this song? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant? I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, crowd number one. Barry Horn. He tried to get me in mid-shoe. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Ballsy, the baseball edition. I'm Evan Grant. I'm looking at Barry Horn, who looks a little bit confused. I've never heard you this enthusiastic before. We do NFL, we do college football. You, now we're and who's who's the star of this podcast? Evan Grant. Yeah, no wonder. And we're also joined by David Moore, who has offed Kevin Sherrington. We. We won't belabor the chemistry issues that this podcast had before, but let's just move forward. We Let's just say we came to an agreement. <laughs> yes. Kevin is on vacation, and then he's on his way to Brazil, and we hope he comes back. Is he getting a Brazilian? He's going to Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> for you know the what a Brazilian is, Barry? Uh, for the Olympics, You yes. know what a Brazilian is? I believe I do, and I'm not. What? It's a native of Brazil. It's in a nut? The Brazilian nut? I don't know. But but he 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 will be back. He, will he be always back. brings it back. To, oh. <laughs> yeah, it does always come back to nuts with you uh, uh, because I'm crazy. But it, but but here but here's the deal. He'll be back. We hope with God's help, he'll be back. Well, so. may, maybe he can stay in the Australian part of the Olympic village, village since they won't be using <laughs> it. The village, <laughs> the villa. Yeah, I, I noticed that the Australians took one look at their accommodations and said, "We won't be staying." I did see a picture yesterday that appeared to have. Uh, Inflatable bathtubs. <laughs> they that when they took the tour of it, when when the Australia Olympic Committee took the tour of it, I believe one thing that bothered them was that when someone would flush the commode, you could see water running down the the walls. That's not good. But let's also say this: that didn't we have the same conversation about Sochi about two years ago? Beijing didn't comparable. We? Yeah. 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 They'll, they'll get it done. Because the the Russians are now coming, I guess, and they'll bring all everybody will be happy because they'll bring all the drugs. Wow, that's okay, Barry. All right, so should we talk a little bit of baseball? Do you guys want to? Let's talk a little baseball. Let's talk a little. Ask me some questions about the Texas Rangers. Sure. Yeah. How far off the cliff should we all be? On the cliff should we be? (laughs) Well, 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 if you're off, you're off. You're falling. Let me answer this way: The Rangers have just played 39 games, 29 of them on the road. They went 20 and 19 in that stretch. So, depending on how you want to parse up the schedule, the Rangers have survived just fine. I, I do think that they have not played good baseball for the last three weeks, and a lot of that has been due to the fact that they had two significant injuries in the rotation. The most significant, obviously, Colby Lewis, uh, and to a lesser extent, Derek Holland. I say to a lesser extent because Holland hasn't pitched well all year. So, they've had to try and get through with with what they've had in the rotation. I think what we have seen in the last week is we've seen Darvish come back and be healthy and be effective. Uh, Cole Hamels had a little bit of a blister right before the break, which certainly added to uh, the rotation struggles. He's come back with two strong starts. A.J. Griffin gutted through five innings yesterday. Maybe that's about as much as you can get out of him, but it was 106 degrees with the heat index yesterday. So I think five innings was, was appropriate. They still need help, and I, as we go into the last week of the trading period, I, I think the Rangers are still very much on the hunt for another starting pitcher. Is a starting pitcher enough now, given the other injuries that have cropped up and a prolonged stretch of – and how much is not hitting is just you get in bad habits because you know you don't have the pitching, and so 
you get away from your discipline approach. And I do hate to say this because you know Prince was such a contributor last year, and and he does have a presence in the lineup, but he was not performing well this year, and he was not an asset in the lineup on a regular basis, whereas Jerickson Profar had been, and. So with Prince being out for the year, and I expect that that announcement will be made on Monday, uh, he was seeing Drew Dossett and, and getting a second opinion on whether he should have a second surgery second. to uh, to repair herniated discs in his neck. Uh, this gives the Rangers the opportunity to run more of a quote-unquote meritocracy and, and play pro for every day and truly move him around the diamond and get other guys days off their feet where they can DH. And... The second part, the second injury there is Chu, who's been injured much of the year. Of the year when he has been healthy, he's been an effective leadoff hitter. The good news there is they feel like Chu will be only a two-week injury. So I, I do think the offense um, can get back to to being an effective offense. I do think it's, it's very possible that as the, the rough stretch has gone on, they have tried to do too much. But I think the last three or four days probably give them an idea that their pitching staff is stabilized a little bit. You know, I've been on vacation. I've been out of it. I have. I have you been, not been on vacation? But go ahead. I've been on a paid vacation. Um, I, I'm, I'm I'm prepping for the Baylor for about twelve years. <laughs> I'm, I'm prepping for the Baylor Northwestern State <laughs> opener that I'll be covering. I'm, I'm preparing. What? Where's Joey Gallo's name in this? Well, I, I the Rangers didn't call Gallo up when when Prince went on the DL for several reasons. One. This gave them the opportunity to really get Profar in the lineup on a, on an everyday basis, and they felt like Profar had, you know, he was hitting three hundred up here, switch hitter. He could play multiple positions. I think they felt like they wanted to give him first shot. Second part of it is they have, uh, and and over the last month, it's become more evident they they've become a little bit too left-handed, and Joey's a left-handed power hitter who's going to swing and miss some. I think they were cognizant of that, that they wanted to have more options against left-handed pitching right now. But, but the two guys who, who they just lost are both left-handed too, as well. Well, again, the, in, in, losing Chu, in losing Chu, the guy who had been replacing Chu on a regular basis anyway was left-handed in Mazzara. Right. So you really didn't lose, you didn't subtract a left-handed hitter. And in, in Profar, you've got a switch hitter who goes whichever way you need against in pitching matchups. So I think, and, and I think, Underlying, and nobody has said this, but this has been a weird year for Joey. Um, and it would not surprise me if there was a little bit of a message there that don't take anything for granted. You know, he was benched for a couple days. I don't know if it was earlier this month or late in June, but there was some kind of incident during the game where he was pulled off the field, didn't play for two days. And I wonder if they're trying to do a little bit more of lighting a fire under him. The, the other thing there is, you know, you've got seven days to the trade deadline. That's where I'd like to see you go on this. Joey Gallo stays down there and hits home runs, mm-hmm. continues to build his value. If he comes up here and gets exposed with strikeouts, maybe his value isn't as great. So I think that also plays Is that likely? Do you, do you think he'll be a member of this team after the trade deadline? A member of this franchise? Uh, Honestly, I think if the Rangers— deadline. I think if the Rangers are more committed to trading one or the other, Gallo or Profar— I think they may have made up their mind that they would trade Profar, despite as well as Why? Profar. Because, Profar. Of, because of the position, because I of think, his insistence on think a little bit, yeah, that he's, he's blocked as an everyday shortstop. Yeah. And I think also, you know, if you measure things, Joey's got probably the one tool in baseball that's really not 
not as it's that's really rare now, which is is true power. And now that we're out of the the era of PEDs, unless we get a Russian expansion team, um, we don't see the kind of power that we saw a decade ago. And 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 so that's that's significant. Also, there's a real fit for Joey next year as a first baseman with Mitch Moreland becoming a free agent. So um, right now, with Profar showing that he can play multiple positions. Uh, and hit leadoff, he can continue to build his value in the big leagues. Joey continues to pound AAA pitching, also can build his value up there. But how, how much, as and when you're looking at making a trade going into the deadline, I know everyone focuses on individuals and what to give up and all this, but I would argue that the Rangers have lost a lot of their leverage with how they have played going into this stretch. And teams are going to be more insistent on, well, they're going to feel they have to do something. The more games you lose, the more likely it is another team is going to demand a, a Profar or a Gallo or someone like that in order to write what you felt was certainly a, a, a World Series contending team from what you saw in the And this half. is where you start to get away from <clears throat> the idea of trading Gallo or Profar entirely because the only guys that they trade Gallo or Profar for, I believe, are in a Sale package or... for Sonny Gray, Chris Sale, or maybe Jose Quintana and, and Chris Archer. Uh, and none of those guys seem to be legitimately obtainable without a gigantic overpay. So they're not going to give them up unless they get the, one of those guys in return. The next tier of pitchers, the Jake Odorizzi's and Matt Moore's, I think the Rangers have interest in them as they're controllable long term, and they, they they pay some they they pay some potential long term benefits as well. But I don't think they see in their mind commensurate value Gallo or Profar for one of those guys. So now you get into the class that John Daniel started to talk about yesterday, which is the rentals, and they saw a very interesting rental opportunity in Edinson Volquez on, on Sunday in Kansas City. The Royals fell a game below 500. They've been on the fence as to whether they are going to, to sell or not and, and and basically concede that they won't repeat as world champions. Volquez is, is 33. He pitched in the Rangers organization. They're familiar with him. He pitched for Pittsburgh in 2014 when Jeff Bannister was there. He's pitched in the World Series and in playoff hunts. He looked really good yesterday. His ERA is a little bit skewed, basically because he had one horrible, awful start against Houston a month ago. His ERA is still Since pretty then, impressive. No, it was over the last five games. It's two eight seven. I think for the year, it's right at about four. Okay. But this is a guy who is capable of going out and giving you the six or seven innings that you need every time, and who's got veteran playoff experience, and you can be fairly confident that he won't fade in 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 August and September. And what's the cost? That well, that's going to be the question. I, I don't see the Rangers again giving up one of those top top tier prospects, but then you get into the question: Would you give up somebody like Lewis Brinson, who kind of heads the next tier of, of prospects, or would you give up a Luis Ortiz, who's probably the most advanced pitching prospect right now? And I think we're still seven days away from the trade deadline in a period where, as David alluded to, it, it's a seller's market and. Teams are going to employ, hey, you're still losing. The Astros are running hot. We, You're going to pay a premium if you want this guy. But I think as you get to the, 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 latter days, the latter days of the trade deadline, teams that are selling rentals and who are determined that they are sellers, they're just looking for the best package. They will do it get. at the end. Yeah. It's not a question of who can we get for this guy. It's 
we're taking the best but deal. But the Reynolds, we're going to do this. Yeah. We're going to take it down to the wire. Right. You, yeah. when, and, and, and Volquez's next start, interestingly enough, is scheduled for Friday here in Arlington. Yeah. And, and, you know, if the Rangers, the Rangers are going to have to start somebody in that number five spot tomorrow, it's either going to be Nick Martinez, who I, I expect it to be, or Kyle Loesch again. I, and then they wouldn't need that next start, start until Sunday. So there's only one more spot before the deadline for that guy. If they can get a deal done for a guy like Volquez, for a guy like San Diego's Andrew Kashner, one of those guys that can come in and make that next start on Sunday, I think that's the that's the biggest who, focus. Can you who, make an argument that makes more sense to go reliever? The the you know the Yankees just the Yankees are apparently on the verge of the completing Cubs. their deal with the yeah. Cubs in what's going to be a four for one deal for Aroldis Chapman, who's a rental. Um, uh, they don't. They don't look like they're going to trade Andrew Miller, so I'm not sure who the difference making reliever would be out there. I do think that in some of these deals, you know, with San Diego, maybe even with Kansas City, uh, certainly with Tampa Bay, um, you could try and do what you did with with the with the Phillies a bit last year and, and expand it, and you know, give them a little bit more of a package and get a reliever. All all of those teams have serviceable relievers. And and I think the Rangers will probably add a bullpen arm, but again, Sam Dyson, when he was acquired last year, was a pretty under the radar type mm-hmm. move and a deal that was done in the last ten minutes before the deadline. So, I I think that their first priority is get a starter. They've got to fill that number five spot. Um, Derek Holland and Colby Lewis won't be back before August twentieth, and I have my doubts that they'll be back then. I think that they're looking at closer to September one, um, and and and. You know, I like. Uh, Do you think both will be back in the rotation to finish the year? I have my doubts that when it's all said and done, that Holland will be in the rotation. You know, if AJ Griffin does pitch well and they get they they acquire somebody and and he pitches well, uh, then you're 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 looking at there might not be room for Derek, and Derek may become a valuable left-handed relief option. Um, I, I do think that if you look at how this team has has progressed over the year, Tony Barnett has become a really effective kind of bridge to the back end of the bullpen but you don't want to have him going two innings every time out and 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 he's he's done a lot of multi-inning outings lately so if they could get somebody who could give them the fifth and the sixth or, or the sixth and an out in the seventh um and, and the guy that, that that kind of crosses into my mind is Erasmo Ramirez in Tampa Bay he's pitched as a starter in the big leagues he's controllable long term been very effective in kind of a long relief type role this year. It's not an exciting move by any stretch, but it's the kind of guy who I think would make this team stronger. Who, who among the contenders, who among contending teams is not looking for pitching? Oh, I think everybody is looking so, for pitching. With, with, the, with the possible exception of Cleveland, um, the Indians have the best rotation at this point in time. Uh, they are more uh, on the market for a bat than they are than they are for a pitcher. Uh, but everybody's looking for pitching, and what you're going to see is in the final five days before the deadline, there will be some kind of flurry. Uh, everybody right now is waiting to see if they can get one of these teams holding an impact starter to make a realistic. What, what do you What do you make of the Chris Sale uh, debacle this this weekend? It was um, It was a surreal kind of night because, you know, all my all my sources had indicated that the Rangers had serious interest in sale and who wouldn't but that they had had no real conversations that went anywhere then all of a sudden he's scratched we're told it's illness then we're told no it's not illness uh and then when you find out that that he's cut up the uniforms 
everybody's throwing out different theories. Well, first of all, the uniforms are hideous. Um, they were the White Sox 1976 softball uniforms. But, <laughs> you know, I've had people throw theories at me that clearly he wants out of Chicago. That's right. why he did that. Well, he's a month ago he's been on record saying he wants to be in Chicago. I think there's a school of thought that maybe he was trying to sabotage his trade market by acting out that way to go ahead and stay in Chicago. Uh, it, it'd be, it had kind of leaked out also on Saturday, at least after the incident, that the Braves were one of the teams that might be interested in making a play for him. The Braves. Because they think that they're, they've turned the corner on their rebuild and that he could be you know, the, the kind of Cole Hamels guy that they have under control for next year and the year, the year after. Maybe he didn't want to go to Atlanta. Maybe he was hearing the same thing. I, I think when it comes down to it, this doesn't affect Chris Sale's trade market one way or another. The guy's an ace. He's finished in the top five in the American League Cy Young Award voting three times in the last four years. He's a competitive guy. Does he have? Does he occasionally act react emotionally? Yes. But you're not going to let the fact that he cut up some hideous uniforms change your opinion of whether or not you want him. And I don't think it's going to change the White Sox opinion to say we're more motivated to move so him. When John Daniels calls you later in the day, and we know he will, and he'll say, the White Sox are offering us Chris Sale. We have to make our best pitch for him. What would you advise him? Um, I think if you're going to get Sale, you're going to probably have to give up Gallo and Profar to head that package. But it's probably going to have to be more than that. You know, the the things that I had heard was that at any level, teams were talking, you want to start a package for us for one of these upper-tier pitchers? Then it's got to have Gallo, Profar, Mazzara, and, and or, or Odor. So Rangers aren't doing that. They're not they're not giving up that level of, of, of talent. Um, would I consider Gallo and Profar for, for sale? Yeah, I think I'd have to. Um, it would have to probably be a bigger package than that, but I'd also want the White Sox to include one of their left-handed relievers. Why? Why would you give up both? I, I think you you still have a real— You think you can win this year with Sale? If you, you have a legitimate chance to win the World Series this year if you have Chris Sale in your rotation with Darvish and Hamels, and I think that you know, you've also got a chance to be a, a back-to-back World Series champion because you've got Darvish on, under contract Control. for next year as well. So, And you're completely satisfied with the way Darvish has come back? Yeah, I, I I I do think that you is a little bit of a perfectionist and wants to make sure that everything is is a hundred percent, and that I think is why he ended up back on the DL a little bit. But he has felt really optimistic about the last couple of bullpen outings. He looked good on Saturday. Um, after after the first two innings, he really got into a groove, worked out a, a really tough jam by striking out the side with a runner on third and nobody out. And I think as we continue to go on, he's only going to get better. If Mazzaro had not played as well as he has or shown uh, the potential that he has, would you be willing to give up a Profar and Gallo to get sale? Uh, or does that ease your... I... I I just the only thing I would say about Mazzara is that I, I just think he's he's put himself basically into the untouchable class with the way he's performed up here. Um, I think going into the season, you knew that if you were going to get an impact pitcher, you were going to have to give up either Gallo or Mazzara to headline mm-hmm. a deal. 
didn't know if Profar would restore all his value. Well, now you take Mazzara out and you put Profar in. So, and so Mazzara is an absolute untouchable. No, there's again, there's no untouchables. There's no untouchables. But let's be realistic. If you want Chris Sale, um, and they want no more Mazzara, then I think pretty much that's where the conversation is. The con- okay, Mazzara and Gallo. You can uh, keep and you can keep Profar. I I I don't I, I that conversation as far as I know has not been has not been brought up so I I, I wouldn't even try and speculate on it but come I, on I, that's I, what we do I don't I, I don't know why the White Sox would would well I don't know why they would turn that down but I also don't know why they'd want two left-handed power bats both on who who you know are, are basically corner guys so. I think they if if you if you trade Chris Sale, you're going to want some close to big league ready pitching that's upper tier that's got real high ceiling type guys and, in and, return. And who do the Rangers have have in that? The Rangers closest thing is Luis Luis Ortiz, who's right now hurt with a groin injury. And, you know, this team peeled off a layer of pitching prospects in the Hamels deal last year. If they had not, you know, if they had not had to include Jared Eikhoff in that deal, he might be the solution for their rotation right now. If they hadn't included Jake Thompson in that deal, Jake Thompson would be the guy they'd be going to in the rotation. They gave up a lot of pitching, and I think they're in a, of a mindset right now that we've got to find a way to develop some some in-house pitching and hold on to it. Just economically, you have to do that as yeah, well. It's, I mean, you can't, it's, you can't continue to go out every year and Pour that sort of money into your does, rotation. Does, Absolutely. Does the emer- does and, and, the, and the upcoming free agent market this year is expected to be very thin. So, mm-hmm. you, this is another reason why I think you have to consider guys like Odorizzi and more because, you know, you look at next year when you will have Hamels and Darvish. I don't know if I'm bringing Derek Holland back on an $11 million option after he's gone to the DL for at least 60 three days, now. three consecutive three years. years. Yeah. Um, Colby Lewis is a warrior, but he turns 37 next week. Am I going to be able to bring him back and count on him? You've got to have some more um, reliable pieces in your rotation, I think, to to ensure that you are, a again, a contender in 2015. I'd like, I'd like to get back to David's excellent point uh, of a couple of minutes ago. The relief Thank you pitching, so much, Barry. The closer. When Dyson comes out there, do you get – does your stomach start churning? No, I, I, I don't think that. Uh, <laughs> the only reason my stomach starts churning is if it's a one-run game, and I think that there's some possibility I may have to rewrite on deadline. Yeah, I get a little bit nervous, but it wouldn't matter if it was You're Dyson or Mariano Rivera. Um, well, yeah, he, yes, it would matter if it was Dyson or Mariano Rivera. My point is that. I don't think that Dyson's unreliable as a closer. I didn't think Sean Tolleson last year was unreliable as a closer. I do think that Dyson has been worked hard. I do think this is the time of year when the heat is really going to play a role. Um, but he got at you know he protected a one run inning last a one run game last night yesterday. Um, they're going to be tough, especially against uh, decent teams. The, the closing opportunities are not going to be easy. And I, I think that, that fans need to they're, – they're just not automatic, and fans need to accept that. We've been talking about potential packages. <laughs> if you give up Gallo, who is in the system 
that could potentially come in next season and help you fill, whether it be first base, Beltre obviously getting older. There's not that you're going to replace him next year, but, no, but, but there's who, who, who is who is next in line? If if you take Gallo out of the the young upcoming prospect that we feel really good about, well, if you were to trade, if you line? were to trade Gallo, I think you certainly would consider next year if Profar does. Do you play Profar? You know, kind of out of position and play him at first base. He's shown some skills there. But uh, Ronald Guzman, who was a big-time bonus baby, uh, signed as kind of a package deal with Mazzara in 2011, has really established himself this year at Frisco as a legitimate uh, first-base option. And so I, I, I don't think that it would be out of the realm of possibilities that uh, you might have maybe a little bit of a, a loose platoon going into next year with, with Guzman continuing to get more and more time. So I I think that is there somebody that would that would step in immediately with the same kind of um, uh, fanfare as Gallo? No, I mean he's got he's probably the best the best pros, power prospect in baseball. But there's also you know there's also holes in his in his swing and there's there's also some negatives there. So um, I, I do think you've got some depth there. I think because because I'm Mister Negative. Because as as I'm known, Beltre has never shown any indication of wearing down, of getting old. But but these things happen. It it happens. You know, I remember when the Rangers got Prince Fielder. Oh, the guy's never been hurt. This is, this is a great addition. Who is available to fill in at third base if? Something devastating happens to Beltran. Well, Profar is your back exactly. third baseman. Exactly. Hanser Alberto now is also up back in the big leagues as your. As but your but he's a uti- he's he's he's, he's a utility player. player. Absolutely. Where, where, where is the help coming at third base? Well, if, I don't know if, if it's you're not aware Profar. Of this. Joey Gallo is a third baseman. Is is he the, is he a, a real? I know he no. He's not a third baseman. He's a third base. Somebody they want to make into a third baseman. No, he's, he's somebody, a, he he. he he is a third baseman yes, by trade. I, yes, I and know. He's the six foot five inch third baseman. He's a big third baseman, but he is a third baseman. I think they in, the, in their perfect world, in their ideal world, do, do they want him to play third base? I think if they didn't have Adrian Beltre there, I think they'd be completely be content there. with okay. him playing third base. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, long term, probably not. But I think at this point in time, at his age, I think they feel like he's and he's athletic for a big man. They think he could handle the position on an everyday basis to get his bat in the lineup. Is it going to be the same quality of defense that Adrian nobody would, is? No, nobody, no. nobody would do that. You know, this guy might be a top four all-time third baseman defensively. Um, you might be able to make an argument that he's in the top two. So uh, you're going to, when you... Brian, Brian, not top two. Brian nodded off. He was in the top two argument. Brian nodded off at his head, hit, hit, hit the music thing. I have no idea what that was about. Um, kind of liked it though. I thought it was appropriate. <laughs> what was that, Brian? Uh, Brian. Oh, now he's laid down. out. No. Why won't Brian talk? Can he talk, Brian? Yes, if I choose to. Wow. Oh. Why were Why weren't oh. you talking? Why wouldn't you answer our question? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Just a random YouTube video. <laughs> Oh, you watching YouTube videos back there? <laughs> My YouTube videos. Oh, they're your Great. YouTube we're, videos. We're really holding the audience here. Um, <laughs> Move along. So, <laughs> I, nothing to say. Move along. 
I, I think that you've got you've got a week left to the deadline. The deadline is next Monday, as opposed to uh, July thirty first, as it usually is. But since it falls on a Sunday, they've moved it to three p.m. Central Time on on August first. And I, you know, the Rangers had their front office in in Kansas City on a planned trip because John likes to get together with his guys and really kind of huddle um, with about 10 days to go. And I think that, that really the real countdown has started now. I don't I don't see any sweat developing on their foreheads as that, well, we're not going to be able to make a trade. I just think now it's time where they're getting down to serious about do what you, what is going to be realistic. Do you think th- that he got so much credit uh, for, for the Cole Hamels deal last year? I, th- I thought he got credit. I know he got credit here. I'm sure he got credit around the country. That 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 hurts him now. People don't they don't they go. Oh, you nah. to deal with John Daniels? No, I, I I think that you know, given his um, tenure here uh, and the fact that he is, I think one of the beyond Brian Cashman and and Brian Sabian. You know, there's not a whole lot of guys who have been in the same job with the same team longer than John Daniels, uh, and. Uh, given the front office structure that he has right now, I think that teams understand they're getting a clear picture from the Rangers and that uh, uh, it still comes down to do they feel like the Rangers are trying to win a deal or do they feel like that both sides are trying to make a deal that makes each each one better. And I think the Cole, Cole Hamels trade served both teams' purposes. The difference there was Philadelphia was a clear seller and Hamels was an ace-type pitcher who was controllable, and they really had no, no no use for that guy. I don't know that you can make the same case, certainly for Tampa Bay, because you could say you go into next year with um, Archer, Odorizzi, Moore, yeah. uh, Drew Smiley. You've got you've got a competitive rotation right off the bat, and that's that's more than half the battle. Same thing with Sale. Chicago's got a, the, the basis for a very good rotation with Sale, Quintana, Rodone. They just called up um, their first-round pick from last year, um, Carson Fulmer. Uh, you know, for me, the, the biggest question would be Oakland. I, I don't know that Oakland's all that close, but I, Billy Bean is also probably the most unpredictable of, of the, the general managers involved. So I, I just don't know that there's there's the same kind of comp for the Rangers to make even a similar deal this year. Let's say right now this is August 20th. What do you believe the five-man rotation is? Well, as we sit here today, I think on August 20th, my five-man rotation is probably going to end up being Hamels, Darvish, Volquez. I'm sorry, Hamels, Darvish, Perez, Volquez, and... Uh, A.J. Griffin, because I don't think that Colby Lewis or Derek Holland is going to be ready um, until later in that that period, probably closer to September 1st. And I think that that the more I I think about this, the more I look at it, I think that the Royals and Rangers know each other's farm systems really well because they're basically in the same league with each other. Mm -hmm. They share a spring training complex. They've made some deals before. I think that uh, I think there's real reason and, and the Rangers know Volquez so I think there's there's real reason to put him kind of at the top, top of the of list the of list. rentals I just want to tell the viewers at home who are, aren't really viewing that Brian is Evan does not face our producer Brian so I look at Brian Brian wants us to wrap up Evan 
Oh, no, no, he was just counting down the pitchers with his fingers. <laughs> oh, I don't think so. He, yes, he was. Uh, Why, Brian? You got more YouTube to watch? <laughs> he stopped at the middle finger, I believe, when he was going to the first one, but it was like... I was just counting pitchers with you with my hand. Oh, I thought you I thought you were going... Make sure you got the five, sure. Evan. He got to four, by the way. And, and the only reason I stumbled there on Perez is whether you, because I think what you want to do is go left, right, left, right, wherever you can. And mm-hmm. if you start, if you if Hamels is your number one and Darvish is your number two, you probably want the left-hander and then the right-hander. So you'd go Perez-Volquez. But I think if you're ranking them one through four, you probably Volquez rank Volquez ahead of Perez. Yeah. Oh, I think that's that's pretty clear. And mm-hmm. And the bullpen stays... I think there will be some kind of an addition to the bullpen. I just think it's not going to be anything that makes you – that really changes any roles. Not bringing, a ha- not bringing a hammer in. No. A new closer. Okay. No. So maybe we should go. Maybe Brian's right. Maybe we're done. What else is there? Lunch. There's lunch. There. There's lunch. I, I just want to be clear. When Evan invited you in, he said he would pay for your lunch. He didn't say we would pay for your lunch. Uh, let me just say this. Well, you're not going anyway, so what's the difference? That's true, too. Because I'm, I'm watching my figure. David, I'm happy. We've all watched it, too. I'm happy to, out of my own pocket, pay for your lunch, because I realize the sacrifices you've made for Ballsy. Thank you the, so the much. The sacrifice you made by being here Thank 45 minutes late today, I'll, I just want to point that out again. All right, well, we will be back next week on trading deadline day. If should, not, I think maybe we should go Tuesday next maybe week. Maybe we will try and go Tuesday. Let's back. see how things work, because maybe on Tuesday. We should be nicer the, to Brian. He'll let us come in on Tuesday instead of Monday. After the dust is cleared, maybe we can get a Rangers official to join us. I think Tuesday. I think up. Tuesday would better than no matter what we do early. Well, we don't. We're not slaves to that bastard Sherrington anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> on that note, Evan. Wow. By the way, what a, the <laughs> what Sherrington? I said my good friend Kevin Sherrington. Okay, and 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 by the way, I'm, I'm going to make sure. You know what? You know he never listens okay, to that, the podcast. That, that's he, a new drop for the intro. He never listens to the podcast. I'm going to call him and insist he new listens. For the I don't intro. think you, I don't think you I don't think you quite grasp the gravity here. I was able to get bastard into print, so I'm now dropping it whenever I can. Okay, what other podcasts did you not drop it in to, that we'll have available? Well, this was the first opportunity I've had, but I got it into print. For the Game of Thrones mid-season edition, I when saw, I, I, to I noticed that Adrian Beltre is a bastard, and also the Houston Astros. But now, please tell us what other podcasts we we're going to have this week that you weren't able to work the word the B word into. Um, well, we've got a bastard of a podcast about the Dallas Cowboys with our good friend David Moore. You going to take that from him? Yeah, that's a compliment, Barry. <laughs> when you called Kevin Sherrington the B word, that was a compliment. Well, I didn't say that. Well, no. But <laughs> There's a difference. We're talking about me now. There's <laughs> oh, a on to me. Like a bastard pitch is a really He'll good pitch. He'll never come back a now. A wicked pitch. He, he, he will never. You, I think you're succeeded. He will never come back now. A couple of weeks ago when, when David was here, we made light of Kevin, and he wouldn't even Just speak. Just monosyllabic the rest he of the way. He came out, <laughs> and he, he went into a funk. And, and then I, when I asked David if he wanted to go to lunch, he goes, Kevin will never go to lunch with me now. And now you expect us to be the Three Musketeers again? Do you think that I was really apologize? Could you apologize? Apologize Kevin, now, Kevin, you bastard! I apologize. Uh, and what did we also have? Chuck Cooperstein? Are we going to? We also, also have had Chuck Cooperstein, who on college football, really the Big Twelve, and, and he, he is expansion. He rolls out of bed and he's opinionated. Uh, he, he, yeah, he. I don't know how you do that. How do you? How do you? How do you have opinions rolling out of bed? Well, my opinion every time I roll a bed is my back hurts. Mine is where's the bathroom? <laughs> Mine that's at three o'clock in the morning at the Horn House. Anyway, for All right, well enough about your urinary problems, guys. It's been a pleasure. 
This podcast uh, is petering out pretty quick. <laughs> enjoyed it. David, safe travels. Oh, thank you very much, Evan. And we'll be looking forward to having you on as the first podcast every Monday or Tuesday, which means it'll be about 8 o'clock in the morning out at... Uh, okay. That's we'll actually call the best it, time. We'll call it the Ox Report. The Ox Report. That works. I like it. Ke- Evan, say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. Goodbye.